Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Constantine star Matt Ryan and Lord of the Rings Spartacus star Craig Parker, October 13th through the 15th in Biloxi, Mississippi. Other shows include Montgomery, Alabama, October 20th through the 22nd, Oklahoma City, October 27th through the 29th, and Springfield, Illinois, November 10th through the 12th. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout. Lowercase no space. <laughs> to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, the internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Hey, this is James Rolfe, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about their comic, The Fourth Monkey, an anthology for awareness running on Kickstarter until October 15th, we have James Roach and Daniel Farron. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Got a really good show lined up for you today on a retro roundtable. We're going to be talking about something near and dear to my mm-hmm. heart, Toys R Us. We just heard the news that they went bankrupt. That's... Yeah. Man, all the times they are achieved. (laughs) It's a very essential part of my youngest memories, I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess Amazon's putting a lot of people out of business out of men, the internet as a whole, right? I mean, they're taking all their business and everyone's doing that shopping from the comfort of their own home. As quick as they're growing, yeah. I think there's a a warehouse being built just down the road from where I'm at here. There's one in Cleveland where my sister works. Is there? lives. She's working at now, too, yeah. So they're just popping up everywhere. Think how easy it'll be once they force us all to get barcodes tattooed (laughs) on our arms. we got to save this for the round table or else we're not going to have anything to talk about then. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're going to go around the table talking about comics. Jack, what do you got there? From this month's Loot Crate, the Star Trek The Next Generation, The Origin of Data. Well, based on its crumpled and rolled condition, (laughs) I'd say you didn't think too highly of it. No, no. (laughs) What about, oh, you don't have one, do you? I don't. That's all right. That's all right. Well, that's one of the books we'll be talking about in the uh, comic vault. And then we're going to turn our full attention over to James and Daniel and talk about The Fourth Monkey. But before we do that, Jake. Well, part of my job here on the show, ladies and gentlemen, is to remind you that there's lots of good times to be had on all of our social networking outlets. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Canned Air Pod. Find us on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. 
uh, check us out on YouTube. Go to our website itself, CandarePodcast.com, where you can see our special guest page, contacts page if you're interested in becoming part of the family, and uh, see our line of merchandise, Society6.com forward slash CannedAirPod. And don't forget, if you're buying Wizard World tickets to a coming event, use promo code CannedAir, lowercase no space, for a cool 10% off. You are nothing if not thorough. Ah, well, I do what I can. I like that. That's what my dates often. <laughs> On Twitter, you can learn about our mysterious founder, Tobias Kane. Tobias Kane. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see some more Tobias's baby yeah. pics. A, a figure whose power is matched only by his mystery. Yeah. Well, Tobias. Paving the way <laughs> for us to be here today. <laughs> Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid I got a million toys and Toys R Us that I can play with I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid They got the best for so much less So really click your lip From bikes to trains to video games It's the greatest toy store there is Be with I don't want to grow up, maybe if I did I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid Alright guys, Toys R Us where do we begin even talking about Toys R Us? I, I know that a department store doesn't typically hold <laughs> fond memories in one's mind, but um, I'm sure we've gotten a lot of awesome toys from the, from the Megaplex. I think the big thing with Toys R Us is that it always looked like the inside of any kid's imagination. Yeah, you know, not the, the truth. The colors and wonderful things, you know, a third of which you'll maybe be able to touch at some point in your lifetime. And the sometimes rest. their bedroom too, with toys strewn all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Over. Or there's the ones that are linked to Babies Are Us. Oh, uh, Babies uh, Are Us! What a horrific. <laughs> and then you are like Kids Are Us. I remember being in the car and being all excited and be like, yeah, yeah, here we go. And it's fucking clothes shopping. Yeah. yeah. What bullshit. God. Baited bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It was okay when it was next to each other and it was separated by a door, but now they've got them all Now they're all connected. Together. Yeah. Gross. Maybe they, they had it coming. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> went to the dark side. Uh, what about you, James, Daniel? What are your uh, thoughts on Toys R Us? Yeah, I remember back in the day, I mean, just going in there wide-eyed and, you know, trying to run around, grab as much G.I. Joe's or Mighty Max. As I could, as I could grab, only to be have it all thrown back in the cart and say, "No, you can't have it." <laughs> You're right. Parents. But uh, yeah, man, you know, toys are toys are everyone's childhood, man. Yeah, for sure. That was the trick, though, right? You saturate the basket so that you know, if you put one or two things in there and be like, "All right, you can have one of these three things." If you put sixteen you things in, something's going to slip by. You end up with slightly more. Wow! <laughs> to play the numbers. <laughs> These younger generations figured shit out after we, it was too late for you and I. Damn, that's a good idea. You know, um, along that same idea, you know, you always imagine, very much like looking at the Sears catalog at Christmas, you know, they had the tons and tons of toys in it, just imagining if you possessed all of them. (laughs) Well, I remember on like Fox Kids, like after school cartoons, they used to do um, like mail in your postcard and win a shopping spree yes. to Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. And my God, that blew my imagination. Like, I just thought, what if I won that? Like, I could have everything I ever wanted. Life would be complete. <laughs> it'd, it'd be I too much. I thought those were bullshit. 
<laughs> they probably no, were. Do you know anyone who ever won one? I mean, I always no. thought that was beatings yeah. just to get you to go in there and, you know, keep the hope alive. <laughs> I think it was more of a, you know, le- rather than shutting the store down and giving you a cart and setting off a timer or something, making it into a production. It was probably like, here's a $50 gift card. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> I would imagine. At least they kept it so you knew where you were going. Because once the aisle started turning pink, you knew not to go any farther because it was all Barbie and Barbie. Oh, true. yeah. But Very see, like, clearly I, delineated. I thought about this so much because we didn't have a Toys R Us around us when we were when I was a kid. We lived way out in the country. The only the closest thing we had was like a KB toy store at the mall. KB which was, was still good. All right. Yeah, but it was tiny. It yeah, was like, you know, true. compared to Toys R Us. But uh, I even had a game plan of how <clears throat> I would hit during a timed shopping spree. Like, okay, here are the video <laughs> games. Action figures here. If I beeline down this aisle, you know, like, I had a... Ooh, I had it mapped out. You spent a lot of time figuring this out. I respect yeah. that. Yeah. So anytime I went there, I was always mapping it out, just in case I yeah. won. Sometimes I mean, would leave without anything, because, nope, we looked, there's nothing here you can, that, that we can get. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So what is I that time have... frame for closing all the stores? I mean, I was just that one. There's a Toys R Us right around the corner, and even whenever I go there with my wife and my daughter to buy whatever, even something for her, I'll just wander off and walk down like the uh, the action figure aisle, oh, take yeah. a look at the Ninja Turtle stuff, the new uh, DC stuff. I'm but, not sure uh, if I think it's their time frame. I don't know if they're totally closing or if they're just kind of revamping their sales structure and just get just going like bankruptcy to pay off all their bills and stuff. Sure. That would make sense. Um, just be in very select locations. I, I can't imagine that you know if they do completely close down, it would suck to lose the Times Square Toys R Us because that oh, place yeah. is cool as crap. It's the closest thing to an actual Jurassic Park you could visit. You know they, where you go up the escalator. That. I think they closed that already. That was Did the one they? with the uh, had the big Ferris wheel in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that closed. Uh, I'm going to have to do a quick Google to double-check, to fact-check here, but I'm pretty oh, sure that man. was a while back. Oh, that'd be awful. Awesome. I don't that... want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Was that the store that, <laughs> oh, this guy, that was in big that they closed down a couple years ago? Oh, that was, um... wasn't Toys R Us. It was on a different... It was farther uptown. I don't know. They had the big piano scene that yeah. danced on the piano. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but they had to close it because like the building was in disrepair or something, something like that. I yeah. don't remember. I'm sorry, uh, James or Dan- Daniel. One of you guys were about to say something. I think James was just checking out whether the store closed. I mean, for me, obviously, I'm I'm a Brit. I'm across the water from you. I think for us, Toys has kind of been declined for <clears throat> maybe the last five years. Um, I don't have, have children, so it's been a while since I've been there, since I was there kind of as a kid myself. And I know that it's been a, quite a while since I've seen an open one around here. There used to be one maybe five, ten minutes drive away, and I, I believe that kind of passed, you know, closed down a few years ago now, or at least changed hands to a different company. Um, it was rebranded away from Toys R Us, which is a real shame. It was a, a true staple when I was a kid. You know, we loved yeah. going around there. Is there another one in UK, Daniel? Is there another, uh, you know, a, a named store that we just don't know of or don't have over here? Maybe I can't think of one off the top of like Saints. Like you say, I don't have children, so it's been a while since I've, yeah. I've been in, in, in toy stores. But yeah, there isn't one off the top of my head, kind of like that. Not not like a, a true staple like Toys R Us. I mean, it's kind of it was a global brand. Everybody knew 
everybody know everyone knows it. as soon as you say the name Toys R Us, you kind of I mean it's in the title, you know right. instantly what you're getting. Yeah, but I think it's it's the internet, like you say, has kind of crushed, I know crushed we, everything. When we came up with the segment, I did a search to see if there were any Toys R Us in the UK, and I think that only like three showed up or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. That, I always imagine like the UK equivalent would be a little more refined. It would be called like these are toys or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's very well put together. <laughs> you found them. Maybe what will happen is Disney will buy them out and they'll just strictly be Star Wars Marvel. Oh you know, that's fine too. Yeah. But doesn't Disney have their own toy store oh, already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they, they all, they've the got Disney stores. stores. And, uh, yeah, it's mostly well, clothes, and clothes and toys, and right? Stuffed animals, yeah. Yeah, but I think Expensive that's growing. I think they're putting like a lot more exclusive Star Wars stuff in Disney uh, stores. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It just sucks to see it go. Just yeah. another staple. It's like one of the, it'd be like the Simpsons going off the air. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it hasn't been a great show in a long time, but. Doesn't mean you want it to leave. It's know? always been there, yeah. you know. I think I think hopefully maybe they can kind of come back and, and kind of join in with the online kind of way. I know we had a company over here called um, HMV, which was a huge British company. We were, you know, it's kind of a staple British organisation. They went, they kind of, there's one of the companies that refused to. They, basically, what they do is they sell CDs, DVDs, kind of like your, your music so and they refused to go online when everyone else was transitioning that way. And they went, kind of went under and it was a real shame to lose them. And you kind of see, saw the shops closing down here and there. And they've had a resurgence in the last few years where they've managed to find a market and managed to kind of go with the, the online um, side of things and then keep, you know, your CD stores and your DV stores that you don't tend to see anymore. I think a lot of those places over here have closed down because people are just buying, you know, kind of entertainment things online now. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. We just heard Best Buy's closing near us. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah that's been happening. Slowly, but years, I hadn't yeah. seen it around us at all, and now mm-hmm. it's starting to. But you, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, most Toys R Us is um, when you go in them have been ghost towns. Yeah, they usually are. Now, the one exception is the one that we uh, frequented near the movie theater. Because typically if a good movie lets out, like Star Wars or something, like, we gotta go get action figures. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole crowd runs from the theater straight to Toys R Us. Rabble, 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 rabble. Keep all that money on a closed circuit. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jake. You I, were saying I was something. just gonna say, this is actually a little off topic, but talking about things like, you know, music movie stores closing. We saw something similar with stores like Sam Goody or, oh, or yeah. FYE, although there's still a couple of those around. But does anyone remember Media Play? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved the hell out of Media Play. Sam Goody. I used to work for Sam Goody. I was yeah, a manager I think I remember you mentioning that. Yeah. But uh, they were owned uh, by Musicland, which also owned Media Play, Suncoast Video, On Cue, nice. uh, maybe one or two other stores in there. But um, yeah, FYE is still open. Uh, at the mall nearest us here. And yeah, and they sell a lot of comic book-related things, like pop vinyls. And- well, that's just it. You know, back in the day when you went into there, it was pretty much strictly, you know, either VHS and DVDs and mm-hmm. then cassettes and CDs. That was the bulk yeah. of it. There were maybe some T-shirts, some posters, headphones, CD players, but 
you know, the cream of the crop was that stuff. Right. And one thing that you've seen not only the music stores do, but if you've guys been in like a GameStop or an EB Games lately, they've done it as well, where they've kind of become like a novelty store yeah, too. Yeah, it's all the accessories and such. The mm-hmm. whole front of that music store is nothing but t-shirts, trink- and trinkety bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trink- it's like novelty Japanese candies and stuff. Real heads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Funko pops, just all kinds of crap you would never have seen in a music store. And I understand they have to do that to survive. But what's sure. irritating is when you walk to the back of the store to where the CDs are hidden behind all this <laughs> shit. You pick up a CD and it still says sixteen ninety nine. <laughs> Who's doing that? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, it's funny when Daniel mentioned CDs. I couldn't. One of you guys said Sam Goody. I couldn't remember what the hell the name of that store was. The big <laughs> CD chain. I just can't imagine when we tell our, when I tell my kids about you know there used to be stores that would sell hard hard CDs. You know, and yeah. physical CDs. What they're gonna say. And they were the shit, too. I mean, I love CDs. It's been a minute since I bought one, but if it's somebody I really like, I will go buy the CD. I never I mean, was... a CD case in your car, in the house, just oh, yeah, things on, you know? <laughs> I remember friends would always act like a CD was super delicate. They would never touch <laughs> yeah. the, the face or nothing, and I'd be like, oh, I was yeah, one of those people. Throw it across the room. Yeah, I'll get it later. I'm, I was one of those guys. Like, I never <laughs> fingerprinted the CD. And Two it months did make later, a difference, depending on your player too. But um. you know, it's been so long since I bought it. You know what the last physical CD I bought was? Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> I was young, mind you, but it was Smash Mouth's Astro Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> that was the you last. Thing, that, that was the last thing I ever bought at a media play, dude. I was in elementary school. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Did that have their uh, smash hit all I, I think is that's the one that had it. I'm pretty sure. This was before the days of Shrek, though. Or, <laughs> At least not to say they had any dignity then. But Smash Mouth was better back in the day. I was so <laughs> stupid. I didn't even listen to music. It was just I thought, hey, like, oh, you know this, what? people listen to this. I'm not going to razz you like when Jimmy Buffett came out. Because <laughs> I stand by Jimmy. Smash Mouth, you know, if it's a nice summer day and you're poolside or something, that comes on. <laughs> Not so much All Star, I hate that yeah, song, yeah. but like Turn on Walking the on the Sun or yeah, something, yeah. you can roll with it. There you go. Mix it in with my, uh, what, Sugar Ray playlist. Yeah, yeah. Very much in the same Sounds way. of Summer 10 years ago. No, 10, 20. Jesus. Right. <laughs> what else we got, guys? Jeffrey the Giraffe. I forgot yeah, about yeah. Jeffrey the Giraffe. Yeah. Bring him back. I think sales will go back up. I don't think they ever really got rid of him. He just hasn't been as prominent. Because I think if you pay attention around the store, he's occasionally places, maybe on their web presence. Let me pull it up online really quick and we'll see. I don't know. He kind of disappeared from the public eye after those molestation charges. Well, you know, (laughs) Jeffrey got a bone. (laughs) Allegedly. Sorry, I I forgot. Never proven. (laughs) It's kind of weird because I don't think Jeffrey, did he ever have parents? He was just a, <laughs> just a like kid giraffe that hung around a toy store all the time. He never grew he up. He doesn't need to talk about it, all right? <laughs> right. That was a hard time for him. Look at this bastardization of Teddy Ruxpin yeah, right here. Soulless. Oh, my God. Soulless, deep black eyes. <laughs> okay, right there. There's Jeffrey's size. birthday club. Got shark eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> I ever seen a Teddy Ruxpin, Jeevy. Hey, so they did keep him around a little bit. Yeah, and I'm sure this web presence will stay up. Too, but um, yeah, I remember he was a very prominent character because when you would walk in the front door back in the day, they had like a whole 
bunch of Jeffrey toys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plushes, little, like, uh, tiny figures, like, all kinds of shit. Shirts. Yeah, the commercials and everything. He probably you know, just wasn't selling, right? And I guess they just canned them. Well, now that I think about it, you could even buy Toys R Us clothing at, like, Walmart and Kmart and at the, like, at stores that weren't Toys R Us. It was, like, That's a licensed a brand. Like, Osh, Gosh, Bagosh, or whatever mm, that was. Yeah. You know what I mean? What the hell ever happened to them? They must have gone belly up years ago, huh? People got tired of saying it. Come on. <laughs> I wouldn't gosh. say that with a gun to my head. Remember yeah, those commercials? They get the littlest of kids who couldn't say it to try to say yeah. it. Can you say Oshkosh Bagosh? I want him to. Oh, okay, sure. Did you say that? Say Oshkosh Bagosh. No. I really tried to. Oshkosh Bagosh. Oshkosh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oshkosh, begosh, kids' clothes as tough as our name. Somebody stomp this kid out. I can't look at him. Can we all, like, collectively, I wish we could get together and sacrifice GameStop to keep Toys R Us afloat. Like, somehow the balance of power would change if we kill one yeah, chain. Yeah, Toys R Us has the games. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. What do we need you guys for? You give a shit on trade-ins anyway. Right. The trade-in thing's going away. They're going more digital now, too. They've gotten rid of the trade-ins. One thing I've noticed in multiple stores... B.O. Stink. Dude. Mm. They, they have acquired like a comic, like an old comic book store <laughs> uh, tinge, like the smell of raw onions. I, so it's something they like must it's a buy in a canister. Doesn't wash off, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is how we'll attract the like aging hippie game store crowd or something. Like that dude in the tie-dye shirt who has way too many Pokemon cards. But the commercials, though. Do you remember the commercials? Vaguely, with the songs, all the kids sang. I definitely oh, yeah. remember the song. Like I remember, they did one in the '80s where they had like four or five little kids sing different parts of the song, and then in the '90s they did the same commercial, and it would morph from them a kid, from as a kid to them as an adult doing the song. I don't know if I remember that one. If you watched it, you'd remember it. You know, I think I sometimes I heard that through the crack in the door to the basement. If my chains were long enough, I could get myself right up against it. <laughs> I could hear just the tail end of that jingle. I hate walking into that shit. I'm sorry. It just I'm... sucks you in every time. It's like it's like walking down the hallway and like hitting your head on something. Oh, I knew it was there. I knew it was there, but I did it anyway. You know. Anyway, um, what sorry, else can guys. we say about Toys R Us? What about toy favorite toys? Just you know, period? I've got one very, very clear memory. I think this is one that's going to follow me to the grave mm -hmm. of walking into Toys R Us and seeing a big Power Rangers display. Oh. Just everything. Every toy they had ever licensed. And dead center was a big pile of the White Rangers swords. Oh. Like the blade extends and it makes that sweet metal clanging noise. And I was like, this. I'd still get excited over that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like Link finding the sword in the first Legend of Zelda. It was like, dangerous to go alone. I saw it and I, I I don't know. I was a little asshole when I was younger, so I probably wept loudly until they bought it for me. Oh my lord. I would have whooped your ass. I was a dick. No, I had it coming. They were very cool. More than I deserved. <laughs> oh, but it shaped you into the young man you've become today. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I remember those toys. You know, I never, I think my parents, when they, when the first summers or the first Christmases that the Power Rangers were out, 
Uh, you know, you had, I think Mattel probably made all the toys. The commercials were blasting nonstop. And then I asked from Santa, I wanted the whole collection, you know, that would form together and make the whole robot. Yeah. Um, I think my dad ended up going to Chinatown and getting some rookety bootleg one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, dude. Really? I didn't have the heart to break it to him because I know, I, you know, times are tough and they were trying. But uh, they try to pass that shit off to me. <laughs> <laughs> this will not do. You brought up bad memories, man. Made of like wax and balsa wood or something. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Stick I can hear the passion in your voice. I can tell it was bad. Like and you don't try to pass that shit on me. <laughs> what do you want? It's the power, fellas. <laughs> Strong men. You know, it's funny. I, I remember getting a, a bootleg Batman toy when I was younger that actually looked pretty good from the front, but it was, like, practically hollow from the other side, like they had just made a cast of a Batman toy. Just it had a, of it. I probably had a few of those, too. Yeah, and it had, like, a spring-loaded missile launcher, so, like, I was happy, and it was empty in the back, and I remember asking my dad, and I was very young, I'm like, hey, Dad, why is, why is it empty in the back? He said, well, that's because it's a bootleg, son. And I'm like, well, what does a bootleg mean? And he said, bootleg means the company that made it is very poor. I remember getting, like, inordinately sad at hearing that. And I couldn't touch it anymore. I'm like, oh, my, oh my God. That's so sad. It's, I feel, I feel <laughs> I bad for something made by poor people. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I felt really bad that the company was struggling, I guess. I'm like, oh, well, why doesn't somebody help? Them? To a child's brain. No, I get it. This I one's segregating it. poor toys because <laughs> you had a technodrome, too. Yeah. All right. Talk so. to us about how you had to use... Bootleg toys. I'm whatever. just saying, you know, that's <laughs> Mr. Technodrome. Yeah. Jeez, I'm not going to apologize for having been privileged when I was younger. Yeah, I had the Technodrome. I had the uh, the Ghostbuster house. Remember, you used to pour oh, the slime geez. in the. <laughs> So we had another rich kid, yeah. huh? <laughs> Let's not get carried away. But uh, I think my parents took the slime right away because I never had that damn slime. <laughs> that slime, even as a child, like it, the concept was cool, but after you got it in your hands and start playing with it and realize how sticky and horrible it was, yeah. like you played with it once. You get it in the carpet and it's through. Yeah. yeah. It was made of like egg whites and food coloring. Yeah. Well, whatever it was, stained. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I had a friend. I think almost everyone had a friend who had a like a either a Ninja Turtle ooze or a Ghostbuster ooze. Oh, sure. Carpet stain. Somewhere, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was that friend. I had the Ivan ooze stain. Did you? Oh yeah. See, yeah. I had his little head, and you'd push it through in his eyes and his mouth. <laughs> My grandmother bought me for Christmas, and she didn't know what she was buying. She just saw turtles on it and bought it for me. But it was a. A foot soldier like cannon that came with this little bucket that you loaded full of this ooze and you dropped in it and it had like a pullback and release like spring loaded <laughs> bolt that would come up and shoot it out and <laughs> I did it once and watched it just go all over the carpet. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think this out, you know. <laughs> Last time the ooze came out. <laughs> but oh shit! We had dark colored carpet, so you couldn't that's see this thing. Cool. And the ooze was purple. Yeah, we better look at the timer here. I, I felt a lack in the conversation. 27. Okay, I think that's... I think sufficient. we've covered all of our bases. Yeah. yeah. Suffice to say, Toys R Us will be missed. Kids yeah, R Us? Really. Not so much. I will miss also, their, uh, their 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 t-shirts. Oh, yeah. They had a, a fine selection of podcasting paraphernalia. Yeah. All different sizes. Yeah. And colors. 
Yeah, we're, we're blowing smoke up your rear ends, people. Toys R Us didn't carry our wares, but you know who does carry They'd our wares? They'd still be alive if they did. They wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Put that on we're record. doing great. Bankruptcy <laughs> coming there. We're doing great. No bankruptcy here. Nope. <laughs> we're good. We are good. That's what it's like on the top. <laughs> but if you go to society6.com forward slash pod, you can rep Candare on the front of your shirt, on the back of your hood, on... Back of your hoodie? Yep. Yep. Front or back of the hoodie? Front or back. Yep. Are hoodies like it in the front and in the back? No. (laughs) (laughs) A glowing endorsement. Checked over. Oh, my God. It costs a lot, so pick one or the other. Are they any good? Yeah. Oh, I was just making a a, a bad sex joke. Never mind. Uh, Nothing? Take it on both sides. (laughs) Our hoodies take it in both ends. How about that? <laughs> Society6.com forward slash canned air pod. Do you go. also take it in both ends? Uh, try a hoodie. There you go. You two will have something in common. Boy, this really derailed. That's all right, though. We, we, we still use the derailed content. Yeah. One more time for you folks at home. Society6.com forward slash canned air pod. With that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Well, Jake, the, or shit. My name's Jack. How are you doing? <laughs> well, Jack, the newcomer to the uh, show, Jack Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, do you just want to go ahead with your uh, your awesome Star Trek comics? Yeah. Okay. We'll get it out of the way. First of all, <laughs> I've learned one excited at home. I've learned the lesson. <laughs> Usually in the comics, after you open up the cover, there's a little synopsis of what what's going down. Mm-hmm. I didn't read that part, which probably still wouldn't have made it any better. But it opens up with. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard coming in. He's got a sleeveless uniform on with a sash around his waist and a dagger in the belt. And he's got a goatee. And he comes in to talk to these guys that are on this uh, mining planet saying he needs some dilithium crystals. Find out that the guy he's talking to is actually the creator of the Data robots, Mm. which I didn't recognize him because he looked like some old, long-haired, heavy-set woman. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he's got kind of a Kathy Bates It took thing. a little while before I realized that was actually supposed to be Brent Spiner. Oh, wow. That first box looks like Rhea Perlman. Yeah, I, I was like, that's not him. That's the guy's name is like Noonien Song or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, they got the name right, but but he makes these robots to go mine crystals in this mining colony that he has, and Picard's got a real chip on his shoulder. He's just like, yeah, you better have something for me here. You know, I waste my time. I usually don't come down here without my guards. Jeez. And I was like, that's not Jean-Luc Picard-esque. Picard's right. been juicing or something. Yeah. Show off those guns. So he shows them He's the jaded. data robots, show them what they can do. Says they want a bunch of supplies and they'll make a trade for the crystals. And Picard ends up making a plan with the forge back on the Enterprise saying... You know, I got a plan. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna end up. We're gonna take over the Enterprise. And then again, I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so later on, Data is doing some mining. For some reason, he just falls into a big pit. I don't know what happened. But then the guys, the workers, are like, "Oh, you should have checked the servos on his feet." Meanwhile, LaForge actually beamed him up to the ship. They stole Data. Mm. Later on, it goes like a couple months later. They're raiding this village. Picard's like, Dana, go in there and kill everyone that's given you any kind of threat. I was like, what the hell is going on? Picard's talking about some empire all over the place. Nothing to do with the Federation. 
And then they end up finding a bunch of robot parts, and Data spends the next day looking at them, and he finds out that it's from some alien robot race that uses nanotechnology from a bunch of different other type of races. I believe they're called the Cybe. The Borg. Oh, I got the <laughs> wrong half, I guess. So he ends up building a bunch of stuff on himself, and at the end of the comic, they're about to go attack and take over the Enterprise. So that was after a joke, I'm pissed at this whole story, makes no sense, has nothing to do with the Star Trek that I know, and I don't know if I say love, but I enjoy it. <laughs> this, Star Trek I know and slam sometimes on the weekends. It takes place in an alternate reality, which it says in the beginning of the comic. This uh, picture here with uh, Picard with his uh, white beard and mustache and everything, it's like watching his uh, transformation into Sean Connery. Yeah, <laughs> Wow. And at one point when Data falls off the cliff, they're like, go get... Oh, shit, I blanked on his... Uh, oh, wow, look at Jordy. He got rid of the visor. He just yeah, has... Yeah, it's like before, like I guess. He's bald with, like, shades with the visors on him. With a little mustache. He looks like Baxter Stockman. <laughs> nice. Or not so nice, I guess. I don't know. In the show, Data's got, like, an evil twin brother, which I can't remember what the hell his name was. <laughs> But once he falls down... Information. (laughs) Once he falls, they think he falls to his death. They're like, oh, go get so-and-so. And And all the other guys are like, oh, no, not so-and-so. And And that was where they left that off. They didn't even go into any of it. Poor so-and-so. But yeah, even though I ended up finding out what the deal was going down, I still don't think it would have made me like it anymore. It was... Sounds boring as shit. Yeah, it was wasn't Star Trek, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm trying to picture a jacked Picard with cut off sleeves and a sash tied around his waist, sashaying <laughs> right. into a room with a dagger in his belt. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. He's definitely carrying a cadence he uh, hasn't ever carried that I've ever <laughs> seen. Gentlemen, it's time <laughs> to kill the children. <laughs> After we raid this village, maybe I'll wrestle up some tang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good, Jack. Very good. Flop from IDW. There you go. <laughs> James or Daniel, would one of you gentlemen like to go next? Um, yeah, I can go if you like. So what I've brought with me today is um, a comic by Garth Ennis and Michael DePascale. And it is called Red Rover Charlie. I don't know if any of you have read it. Mm-hmm. Um so this is one that I think kind of, I think Garth Ennis turns out a lot of amazing books. Now this is one that kind of I think most people missed. It went under the radar for a lot of people, and I managed to pick it up. And I'm going to openly say that it was the first comic book that ever brought a tear to my eye and made me kind of weep a little bit. Oh wow! And what it is, it's um, a story of the end of the world. It's an apocalypse story, but it's from the point of view of man's best friend so it's from the point of view of, of three dogs now I think the, the main so the main character is called Charlie and he was a, a helper dog so he was I think he was a, I don't know what you guys call it over there so you know like a, a, yeah, a yeah, guide up, a guide up for the blind yeah and basically his, his owner is, is killed in this uh, this apocalypse everyone's kind of it's kind of like a, a zombie type type thing that happens um, I don't think they go into too much what actually happens to the world and the reason why basically humans are just going batshit crazy um, and it follows them as they kind of have to work out a life without the, the masters they, they don't really know what's going on they, they kind of have to escape the city and work out to, to kind of get by on their own and 
and I think there's a few. It's really well written from from Garth, and it's there's a few sort of moments where he kind of gets into the mind of what a dog would actually be like. I think the, there's a point where they, they find some some food and they, they're trying to work out how to how to cook it kind of thing, even though, I mean, dogs don't really need to, to cook food, but it was quite cool how he was like, yeah, we saw his masters, you know, making a fire and these, we've got these three little dogs trying to work out how to do it and kind of how to just survive on their own. It's a, it's a really good story. Um, and I, I, yeah, it's, it's something that I certainly would really recommend to, to anyone to pick up. So it's a six part miniseries. And yeah, it's, it's a really, really good book. And it, like I say, it's one that kind of, I think most people missed. Um, so I've always been trying to push it and force it in people's faces at any opportunity I get. And what was the title one more time? Red Rover Charlie. Red Rover Charlie. I might have to look into that. That sounds really good. Sounds yeah, awesome. It is. Like I say, it's got a, a tear jerking into it as well. Um, so it's to bring a box of tissues with you for sure. I, know I remember <laughs> reading the... Came through was the fifth or the sixth one. I was just sat there and I had these tears streaming down my face, and I was like, "Damn you, <laughs> damn you!" What have you done to me? But isn't it awesome that a, a comic can do that to you? Yeah, and I mean, for anyone, obviously this is a, an audio only. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly big fellow. I've, I've played rugby all my life. I've got a big beard. I've it kind of, as a side hobby, I make Viking drinking horns. I'm into that kind of mythology. Oh, so I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm a, a man's man kind of thing, and I appear like that, and then I was just reduced to tears by this, by this story about these three little dogs, and like, what have you done to me? <laughs> you made me into a worse. <laughs> a story that yeah. can bring a Viking low. <laughs> That's it, exactly. That's awesome, though. That's really cool. That you do all that stuff, man. Yeah, it's it's good. I've um, spent most of the day today kind of just. Pointing around making drinking horns in the the old traditional style. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. Well, very good. Well, what about you, James? You have a book to talk about? Yeah, I think I'll keep it on the same the same sad theme. I don't know if it's the overall theme of the show. Toys R Us going away. That other sad comic. Then, so this one actually popped into my mind recently because uh, I actually lent the book to one of my sisters. A while back, it was that it was a graphic novel. It was I Kill Giants, and I think they're actually making that into a TV show. I'm not 100% sure, or a movie or something. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the graphic novel. No. So yeah, so it uh, it, it kind of hit close to home because my sisters and I, you know, we lost our mother to uh, cancer a while back. Oh, almost I'm so a decade sorry. Now. Thanks. So this actually made me weep openly as well. It's a great book. Uh, it's a graphic novel. It's about a little girl. It's called. Uh, I think I said the title already. Was it I Kill, uh, I think I Kill Demons or I Kill Giants, actually, is what it is. And uh, so she, I, I guess, I don't know how much I want to give away, but she, uh, to kind of cope with what's going on um, at her family, she kind of uses her imagination and, you know, she goes and hunts hunts giants. You know, they're over, they're looming over her. You know, you get little bits and pieces of what they look like. They're creepy. The artwork's pretty cool. But then towards the end, you find out, you know, she kind of has a secret power, but it's all in her, it's all in her mind. You know, it's kind of a coping mechanism to what's really got her down and her family down. And we realize, like, the big monster or the big giant is, you know, unfortunately, like, her sick mother sitting at home. And uh, towards the end of the book, you kind of see which where they're going with it. And she kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, again, I don't want to say too, too much, but it definitely had me tearing up and 
I finally decided I'd give it to my sister a couple months back, and she she came back fucking. She loved it, but she was like, "You motherfucker, you gave me this book." <laughs> <laughs> she definitely loved it, but it made her cry. And I was like, "See, see," and we kind of hugged it out. Um, but yeah, I killed giants. I forget who it's by, unfortunately. Um, I should have had that in front of me. But if you guys check it out, you know, I, I think you'll dig it, especially if that's something that's hit, you know, close to home for anybody else as well. Yeah, that's uh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever cried from reading anything. I might have to try that out. You know, I, it's, a, it's amazing that we've got stories like this in comics that have, like, so much behind them, or they use a particular, like, a an apocalyptic setting to tell this story that really gets to you. There's so much heart and feeling, and people are still, like, dismissive of the whole medium. You know, like, yeah. oh, comics yeah. are stupid. If they throw the blanket, you know, the blanket superhero blanket. Yeah, like, yeah. That makes sense, but they throw that giant net over it, and oh, it's silly, and they just dismiss it. But yeah, it's got all of this. Definitely books out there that are obviously, you know, we know is straight artwork, you know, yeah. straight oh, yeah. art, I should say, straight art, you know, exactly. deep heart, everything. So, trying to change the game and bring it to more eyes, and you know, tell stories that are other than superhero back and forth yeah. silliness. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, something for everyone. Very good, man. That's awesome. What was the name of that book one more time? I Kill Giants. I Kill Giants. All right. Very good. Well, gentlemen, my book this week is a it's a return to a character who I haven't talked about for some time. If this is the oh. human fly, I'm going to blow my brains out oh, right here. Oh, my God. Gentlemen. The human fly! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm out. Oh, my God. Well, the human fly. Um, What else can I say? It's based around a real person. What was his name? DJ Jazzy Jeff or something like that. He was, like, covered in glitter, right? Uh, His name's not on here. I thought it was. Okay, that's kind of embarrassing. Something Rick Rush... Ah, I can't remember it. He was a... A stunt performer. He tried to outdo Evil Knievel, like back in the seventies. And uh, his his story, his real story, is he lost his entire family in a car accident. Uh, and I think it, he might have had multiple kids. I was thinking it was just his wife and his daughter. He both lost. It was just left alone with like all these serious injuries. He almost didn't survive himself. But when he did, he decided he was going to be a stunt man, and he performed a few of these stunts. Uh, like he put himself on top of an airplane while the airplane flew around and like read that it like started raining and like the raindrops were hitting him like close to two hundred miles an yeah, hour and like that. he was blacking out from it and though he did that again successfully, but then uh, his next stunt, I think he jumped a bunch of buses on a bike and like seriously messed himself up and that was it. He kinda disappeared, but Interesting fella, very loud outfit. Evil Knievel rocked the red, white, and blue. This guy was just a red jumpsuit covered head to toe with sequins. Sequins, out the ass sequins. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, sparkle. I don't know if uh, what the story is behind Marvel doing a uh, short run comic based on this character, but they certainly did. And uh, they're really nothing to behold, but they're just so silly. And, like, after I found the first one and brought it on the show and see how much it irritated y'all, I was like, oh, I got to get them all now. And so I found as many as I could. So this one is uh, Fury in the Wild. And what it is is the human fly is 
performing his next stunt. He's going to jump a gorge in a rocket-powered snowmobile. This is happening at a ski resort, mind you. Now, why you would put a ski resort next to a huge open gorge is beyond me. Seems like a... Seems a poor decision. Seems like a uh, design flaw on someone's part. Yeah. But uh, it's neither here nor there, so... All these people are gathering, getting ready for this big event, and uh, you see off in this side shed, like a maintenance shed that's at the ski lodge, is a guy who's working on the snowmobiles. He's like the super. He works on them all, and he's kind of bitter because life's given him a pretty rough run. He's lost his wife. He's been left with his son, who uh, is blind. So, and all he his job is fixing the snowmobiles that these rich people rent fuck up and then leave for him to fix again. And uh, so, you know, he knows the human fly thing is happening, but he doesn't want to get too close to it because if his son hears it and and knows what it is, he'll have more questions and then more regrets throughout life because he was never able to see it. So airtight logic on that, one. right? That's this is what the father's saying. But then it cuts to <laughs> the next bubble is. Well, but that doesn't mean I can't go watch it. So he throws, <laughs> he throws the kid on the back of the snowmobile and rides to the event. And the kid keeps going, Daddy, Daddy, what's that noise? Oh, it's nothing, son. <laughs> and he's just watching. You know? <laughs> oh, I lost it. That was so funny. Good but Lord. He's taking all these back trails that no one knows about, kind of abandoned kind of trails. To avoid the crowds so he can get to a good vantage point to watch this all go down. And he hits an incline, rolls the snowmobile, gets knocked out against a tree. So the father's lying there knocked out. A blind, The blind son is like, Daddy, where are you? What's happening, Daddy? <laughs> just, a little wuss. Just as the biggest, meanest grizzly bear you could ever imagine of course. strolls up <laughs> on the scene. So... As this is happening, the human fly's stunt is going off. He has jumped and is in the air in this flying snowmobile (laughs) and happens to be, while in midair, you know, it's so casual, these things, that he can take, you know, stop and kind (laughs) of look around at what's around him rather than focus on the landing. And he looks down and sees what's happening. In that split second, he sees that he knows what's happening. So the snowmobile lands, and rather than getting off and... You know, receiving his accolades and his cheers and whatnot, he just runs, starts running for the accident and says, everyone follow me. <laughs> so he, uh, he gets down there, the grizzly bear is about to get the kid, and he just, he takes him on. Just gr- jumps on his back, <laughs> around the neck, just takes the bear on. This is a big, mean bear, too. And uh, the kid all of a sudden says, oh, wow, it sounds like our snowmobile tipped over. My dad's unconscious. There's a grizzly bear and a stranger trying to help me. Let me grab a flare gun that I can somehow find, uh, since I'm blind, and shoot it where I hear the noise coming from. And he scares the bear away. Lord forbid he holds it backwards or something and scorches a hole through his own chest. (laughs) (laughs) I'll save you, Daddy. That might have been more entertaining, actually. But, um... They ward the bear off, and then uh, all of a sudden, you know, this guy comes to who had been knocked out and has a whole different opinion of the human fly and all these rich yuppies who came to their aid and helped them. And the human fly was doing this whole trick, this whole stunt to raise money to open an orphanage. I mean, this guy's noble, let me tell you. (laughs) But then he decided, well, you know what, since I've just met you, and this happened, we'll use half that money to get your son's eyes fixed. 
The end. Yes. <laughs> Using the magical cure for blindness. I Back know. In the like, 70s. Fuck, too. <laughs> so yeah, this was a uh, 1977, a 35 cent comic from the Marvel Comics Group. The human fly. I have a few tears rolling down my cheek. One time I read about a guy who punched a bear so hard he killed it. <laughs> All right, and for the next segment now, <laughs> what are you talking about? A uh, dude was out in the forest. He lived, I think, in Alaska. He, he wasn't necessarily like a survivalist, but he spent most of his time out in the wilderness. And uh, he was beset by a grizzly, I guess, that killed his dog. And he didn't have uh, either enough ammunition or his gun with him. And the grizzly bear charged. So he threw all his weight into a punch with his right hand. And he hit the bear square in the head. And he hit him so hard, it obliterated his arm to the point where it became useless for the rest of his life. But it also killed the bear. It's probably a cub. That's what I was just thinking. It's a baby. <laughs> well, I, I didn't fact check it. It's just something <laughs> I read. It was a groundhog. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> It was a badger that his dog. It was a bear seven foot tall, I tell you. <laughs> so that That's it. That's, I don't know what you expect. <laughs> then he became president of the United States. I guess that's the end of the story. His name was Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past old Teddy. Oh, I really wouldn't either. That's, that's why I came to mind, but... All right, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention right over to James and Daniel and talk about The Fourth Monkey, an anthology for awareness. Thanks so much again for being with us, guys. No problem at all. This is an uh, interesting project, now, and this is, uh, this is going to be eight stories that have been collected into this graphic novel that is uh, supposed to raise awareness about environmental and social issues, correct? That's right. Well, can you uh, can you guys tell us a little bit more about uh, and our listeners about this project? The idea behind it was was mine to start with, and I kind of had a, an idea that I wanted to use comics to to try and do some good. I know that I'd recently just started getting into the the comics industry and started the the creation side, and everyone had been so kind to me and everyone had kind of helped me out, and so I had an idea that to come up with something that, that gave back to the community that, that helped me out so much when I when I was kind of just starting out and I needed the help. I reached out to a few writers that I looked up to and kind of were the ones I bugged and annoyed continuously for, for 12 months for advice. I said, look, this is the idea, this is what I want to put together. We want to try and, and raise awareness around some issues. If you could write a story that was close to your heart or something that you cared about and you felt that people should know more about. Um, and we just had an over, a great overwhelming response. Across the board, everyone jumped on. And I think at that point, I realized it was way too much to handle on my own. So right. we just kind of asked James to come in and, and help me. And, and he definitely you know, pulled, pulled his way and more. He's, he's, he's been an, an invaluable asset to, towards it. Yeah, I can't imagine that being a light uh, load to bear. <laughs> it's kind of no. be an incredible amount of work. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yes. <clears throat> so even uh, as creators ourselves, just working on our own solo project, is, that's tough enough, you know, dealing with the different pencilers, anchor, anchors, colorists, uh, letterers, editor, if you have one, uh, printer. You know, that, that is a battle in and of itself. So, you know, scrounging up. Like we have like twenty plus, close to thirty creators on it, um, eight writers, eight artists, eight call. You know, you know the, the numbers go higher and higher. It's just, 
it's that's probably been the most challenging aspect is wrangling everybody together but luckily everyone's really super supportive and down for the project um so everyone's been you know everyone everyone's been great that's awesome when you have a, a well-oiled machine that just falls together like that, you know? Yeah, and we, we always talk about this. I think people at this level of independent comic creation, they get it. They cooperate. You know, they're right. all in it together. You can't yeah. beat that sense of camaraderie. That's the truth. Yeah, they're all, you know, everyone's professionals in their own right. And they're all yeah. Yeah, super supportive, given they're all and trying to make this happen. Mutual respect. That's what these things are built on. Yeah, I think it has to be a true credit to all the creators as well. Whilst me and James might be the, the spearhead, I think there's no way you could we could do it with, if everybody involved wasn't so supportive and didn't kind of do what we asked them when we needed it and, and we're willing to... Like recently, we, all, we had all the artists <coughs> on the books. They, they kindly donated a commission for the Kickstarter as well, so that was really nice. They did something they didn't have to do, so across... Every writer on the each artist for, for one of the eight stories has donated a, a full full commission to the Kickstarter page. So me and James are able to give that away to people at a really sort of reduced price to what they normally would. Yeah, there's only one left now. Oh, is it just the one? Digital and one physical left. But yeah, those went pretty quick. So yeah, the artists were uh, amazing. It's incredible. I can't wait to see it. There were some samples on the uh, Kickstarter page there that looked uh, really. The level of quality is. Yeah, it's definitely there. The quality's there, for sure. Um, I'm really curious, though, about the title, The Fourth Monkey. Where did this come from? So I think early on, when Daniel and I were just tossing ideas back and forth, you know, we were... Daniel had the theme wrapped up, and then the next step would be, we need a solid, um, iconic title and characters, or logo, if you will, that could, you know, kind of... uh, that could be just that something iconic and we would shoot ideas back and forth for probably it had to be days until we landed on uh, i think daniel brought up the idea of the three mystic apes or the three mystic monkeys and you know the hear no evil see no evil uh speak no evil that's again that's like a iconic 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 universal image so we tried to play on that and uh think of a fourth monkey would be the one that's actually aware of things you know while the other guys are hiding their eyes ears and uh you know, uh, mouth. This guy's out. He, he's trying to be outspoken. He's paying attention to, to the issues, and that's kind of where we uh, came up with that. That makes so much sense. The totally enlightened fourth monkey. Yeah. Really, yeah. Cool. yeah, the enlightened fourth. Like when that kind of when when we hit that, we were like, yes, that's it. Then we had the idea to kind of modernize it. So you know, you got different images of one guy got headphones. One guy's got his you know he's stuffing a sandwich in his mouth. The other guy's glued to the phone. You know, so it really did come together. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that. I'm going to have to look for that. It's like the burden of awareness, you know, yeah. choosing instead to... I like that. There's even one, there's uh, Andrew Huerta, is an amazing artist, and he did one where I guess the burden of awareness became too much for the fourth monkey. So there's one on the page where um, he illustrated the fourth monkey kind of just uh, losing it and snapping and turning into a villain and just raining destruction on the other three he just whoops their asses i don't know if you see that one it's a pretty, monkey uh, after pretty, my own heart yeah, yeah. There you go. Pretty, uh, it brings it back to comics and you know this is all still fun we're trying to tell some good stories while hitting some topics and that that illustration there is uh pretty dope 
as far as your Kickstarter goes, which is running till October 15th, and it looks like you guys are doing pretty darn good oh, thus yeah. far. It looks like it halfway, if not Plenty past. Plenty of time. Right. Yeah, so, uh, 55% of the minute. So. Yeah, you guys are sitting pretty. I'd have uh, to imagine that first half is the toughest part. Right. Building up momentum. I've heard with Kickstarters, the final end comes in right, right in that last oh, sure. yeah. few days. You know, that's when it really blows up. We've seen that happen a number of times. A number well. of times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> But um, as far as rewards, you're offering backers. What do you guys have? So um, just to even go back a little bit. So with Kickstarter, the first two days are really important. You know, uh, that first 48 hours kind of gets you noticed by, you know, the algorithms get you noticed by Kickstarter itself. So if you hit a certain amount, I think the magic number is something like 20%. If you can raise 20% of your goal in that first 48 hours, um, it kind of pushes you to the front page. If people search comics... It could be any num- upwards to like 200, 300 campaigns going at the same time. So if you hit that number early on, they'll have you higher up in the main page. Uh, so that was really important. Luckily, we had the support and, you know, all the other creators on board and kind of, you know, use their fan bases, our fan bases, um, and kind of they helped us out early on for sure. And then the last, like you guys mentioned, the end of the campaign, you'll get another spike, which is... Uh, the last 48 hours, a lot of people, there's an option to, it's, it's like a remind me later option, which um, actually reminds them when it's 48 hours up, mm. uh, 48 hours left on the project. So whenever you notice a spike at the end, which it always happens, um, that's that's the reason why. Well, that, that is a fantastic star option, that, the reminder. Dude, if I was yeah. watching the bank account, that I'd hit that on some of them. Mm, so there you go. When it got close, be like, okay, I can afford to. That's a good idea. Yeah, I didn't even know it was on there. How about uh, rewards? Do you guys have any rewards you're offering to backers? Yeah, so I think the one of my favorite ones, and certainly I think the, the one that you're going to get the most bang for your, bang for your book for is if you um, if you were to pledge $15, what you're going to get is you're going to get a, a digital copy of the Fourth Monkey book. So we've got eight stories in there, like you said. It's over 100 pages, and it's made up of 30 different creators, or just, just shy of 30 creators in there. But also, each of the writers also donated a PDF copy of their their own sort of in individual oh, wow. story. So you've got American Kingdom number one by Brian Hawkins. You've got Boston Metaphysical Society by Madeline Holly Rosen. Uh, Katrina Hates the Dead number one by Russell Nolte. Salvages number one by Bob Saleh. Snarl number one by Kelly Bender. Untold number one by me. And Wretches number one by James E. Roche, or Roach, which I only just learned how to pronounce. <laughs> you know, it is so refreshing to hear that as a reward because, I mean, you see so often like the, we'll, uh, we'll do like a, a bookmark, which we've done bookmarks. Not, <laughs> or, uh, We're not above the bookmark. Yeah, I love or, bookmarks. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And I'm not putting any of these things down because they're they're fine prizes and they're things, you know, or rewards and they're things that I I have myself. But, you know, like T-shirts or glasses, as cool as it is to get those things, they're kind of typical and they kind of quickly get forgotten or left to the wayside. Which, if you're back in a Kickstarter for an independent comic, you're in independent comics. And when you're getting a reward like that, just a plethora. A whole bunch of extra comics. Some of that work we know. And some of that is really good. Yeah. So that's uh, that's just a great thing to hear. That's a good reward. Yeah, yeah we haven't super digital one, right, Daniel? That was the fifteen dollar one. That's it. We haven't. I don't think we've added up the exact page count, but it's it's over two hundred and fifty pages of good quality material. You're going to get as well for fifteen dollars, yeah. which is just a, an amazing price. 
Yeah, and they're all ones too. So you know, if you want to get in at the bottom level of uh, you know a lot of these independent creators' first works, you know, and that's definitely a good tier. We also offer that. I forget what it is. I think it might be at the thirty dollar level, where Daniel and I actually are including our own issue ones of our own, uh, I guess, other titles outside of this one, along with the fourth monkey. So you'll get the fourth monkey at a hundred pages, and you'll get two floppies from Daniel and I. Um, well, he has a horror story untold. Mine is Wretches, a sci-fi story. Um, and then on top of that, you'll also get the digital, you know, all the other seven stories in digital format and a bookmark. <laughs> yeah. Again, nothing wrong with bookmarks. <laughs> I know. I know. That, well, that's Candare's number one marketing tool, actually. Yeah, was, yeah. our, not was, is. We still have a well, yeah. shit ton of those bookmarks. And yeah, I, I like to get them out in conventions too. It's kind of uh, you know, it's definitely helpful as long as it has your email or your uh, website on it. It's good. That's exactly <laughs> what we've got. <laughs> like but but bookmarks are good. They they work. I mean, if people oh, are reading, I mean, all of the books I'm reading all have Candare bookmarks in them, and you know, what I mean, and if you're reading a graphic novel, usually it's a lot of pages, and you're not going to read it all the way through in one sitting. One so sit, right. You're not going to fold a page yeah. so you can remember where you were at. I was just going to shout out one of the other rewards we got. One that we added today. Um, so we had John McCrea who worked, who, who's worked with me on the Untold. He's done me a couple of different. Variant covers. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, John John uh, did Hitman, Judge Dread, and Mythic for for Image Comics. Nice. Now he kind of did as a pinup that will be kind of slotted in that will go with my story. I've got a poaching story in the anthology, and I had John make a nice kind of it was a, it's a trophy room type single page piece, and it's next to each animal. It's it's got the state of their the state of them in the wild and and kind of the dwindling numbers. It's a pretty hard hitting piece once you kind of get start reading the, the numbers. But now, what John has done is he's donated the original sketch, um, the original art piece to the campaign. So he's given us that. Usually, when you when you have an artist create a piece for you, they will keep the the original that they can choose to sell at the, the stalls or at the comic cons. So he's donated that to us. So we've got that up on there. His original art piece that he did for the for the print that I was just talking about. And we're getting that. So if you pledge $100, you're going to get everything above. You're going to get all the books that we gave out. You're going to get the, the Wretched number one and Untold number one in, in physical. You're going to get the book. And you're going to get this you know, original art piece from John, who's you know, professionally worked in comics for a long time and done some amazing titles as well. That nice. sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing's cooler than having an original art mm-hmm. piece oh, yeah. displayed on your wall. That's awesome. Now, for people who are wanting to uh, check out The Fourth Monkey, there's obviously the Kickstarter page, with which if you go to thefourthmonkeycomic.com, it'll be, uh, you'll be routed directly there. Is there anywhere else that uh, listeners should be checking out this project? I mean, we got a Facebook page. <clears throat> I think just look up, uh, you know, The Fourth Monkey Comic on Facebook. But, yeah, you said it, that uh, pretty URL, thefourthmonkeycomic.com, just shoots you right over to the Kickstarter page. So that's kind of where I mean drive is now but yeah we have that facebook page as well um you guys can check that out too awesome and you guys are uh, both on twitter correct we are indeed yes, yeah sir. yeah awesome. so i'm i'm james e roach r-o-c-h-e that's pretty much my handle everywhere twitter instagram facebook um my website james e roach.com and yeah you can find me at uh that handle everywhere 
Yeah, and I'm at Daniel Farrand01, and Farrand is spelled F A W R A N D because all my life nobody's ever known how to spell it properly. I've received <laughs> countless numbers of, of, of when I was younger, when I played sports all my life, different trophies, and they've all been spelled wrong. Oh. Uh, you, you motherfuckers, you give me this trophy and you can't even get my name right. <laughs> and then everyone thinks you stole it from someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Those, those water boy trophies are. Really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, very good, gentlemen. We'll also do our part in uh, helping get the word out there via Twitter and on our website. We're gonna have we links all over the place helping uh, mm-hmm. route people your way. So, uh, appreciate that very much. No problem. The best of luck to you, though. It looks like you guys are gonna be just fine. And, uh, yeah, if you guys ever want to be back on the show, just simply let us know. Not, no problem. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. Visit the Hall of Justice and see the Wall of Heroes. Check out some of the videos from our YouTube page. Click on the merch button. Get some t-shirts. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget, that's at CannedAirPod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. And then for the third week in the row, we're going to be going out on the Star Set song, Into the Unknown. Not that we've gone out on that song three times now, <laughs> but this is the third week we are presenting a song by the band Star Set, who is doing a residency here with us for at least a few more weeks, right? Yep. Open but, uh, your frequencies for a transmission. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we really enjoy their music. We had the lead singer, uh, what was it Dustin Bates? Dustin on Bates, the, yeah. What? The Two Fox or three weeks ago? So, uh, yeah, really good band. Hope you enjoy the song. Look more into them. StarsetOnline.com. But I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Daniel Farron. James E. Roach. That went off without a hint. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone.
first we were buzzed. Let's drink Daddy's cough syrup. This is where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Doc! You just need the Can Damn Podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Tripodis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag... But let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.